Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Keith Coughlin, who's the managing director at European Metals, um, who are an Australian and UK listed mineral exploration and development company advancing lithium and tin projects in the Czech Republic. Uh, Keith's background is in stockbroking and funds management and has been involved in the funding, promoting acquisitions of resources companies. Um, that are listed on various stock exchanges like the ASX, AIM and TSX during his career. So that's enough for me. I want to hear more about what um, Keith's background and more about European metals. So that's welcome, Keith, to the podcast. How are you doing, Keith? I'm very well, thanks, Rob. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm in my new offices uh, this week, so um, a little bit of a different background for those that are watching on the YouTube channel. Um, I'm going to be moving around the office, so there's a bit, a bit of a different background instead of a plain, plain blue wall. Um, so, Keith, appreciate um, obviously taking the time to do this podcast. Wondered if you can give our audience a little bit of uh, background about yourself, um, about your career um, to sort of present day. Sure, Rob, and thanks for having me on your podcast. So as you mentioned, my background's in stockbroking or basically um, financing mining projects. You know, I live down here in Western Australia. It's very much a resource base, a, 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 you know, an area where there's a long history of mining. And Australians have for some time exported that mining expertise overseas. And we've been involved in funding a lot of those sort of projects in many different parts of the world and in pretty much all metals and commodities over the journey. And that's really how I got involved in this project. I, I was asked to um, get involved in the company that became European Metals at a time when it didn't have a project. It was looking to acquire a project. We were introduced to Cinevets as an opportunity. This is way back in 2013. <clears throat> Cinevets is a historic tin mine. Uh, and at the time, it was introduced to us as a tin mine with some very interesting lithium resource there. And so as we dug deeper and we, we spent some time uh, further advancing the project after we acquired it in early 2014, we started to focus very much on the lithium endowment there. The tin is still important to us, but obviously in this, in this day, it's all about the lithium. And happily, as we started developing the project, the, the global need for lithium has increased and increased quite dramatically. And obviously, you know, we are of the belief, as it would appear most of the market is now, that that demand is only going to continue into the future. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to give us an overview of uh, European metals um, and also, I suppose, give us an overview of or the reasons why uh, you joined the company. I mean, what, what attracted you to to European metals? Well, the, the, um, the, the project looked very good to us early on. Uh, when I found the project, did the due diligence and bought it for the company, I was in a non-executive capacity uh, with the company. Um, but as we dug deep, as we looked harder at this project, 
it became apparent to me that it was a very, very good opportunity. It was a very exciting opportunity in a, a what was relatively new market, new metal. But I could see um, even then the early the early indications that this was going to become a very, very interesting new market. And uh, it, it captured my imagination and I became fully involved. Okay. Um, European Metals is uh, developing the Sino, Sinovet Lithium project. Projects. I think that's it, um, in the yes. Czech Republic. Um, I wanted to give us a, a, a brief overview of the actual project. Sure. Well, as I mentioned, it is a historic tin mine. And tin has been mined in this part of the world off and on for centuries, you know, um, you know, 600 odd years of, uh, of tin mining. So there's a long history of mining in the area. Lithium has obviously only more recently become interesting and very important to the world. But what we have there is a very, very large lithium resource. It's the largest hard rock lithium resource in Europe. It's by far the largest hard rock lithium resource in the, in the EU. And that's a, an important distinction because the EU is very supportive of fostering a new, uh, a new industry, a, a battery industry, an electric vehicle future, and that obviously requires a lot of lithium. Uh, there's over 7 million tonnes of what we call lithium carbon equivalent. So that makes it about the fourth largest hard rock lithium resource in the world. That's just to give you some idea of the size. We've done a number of studies on the project over the last few years and the, the financial parameters of the project at a PFS, preliminary feasibility study level, are very strong. It has a net present value of about 1.1 billion US dollars after tax and an internal rate of return of nearly 29% also after tax. So very strong financial parameters. And what's happened more recently, really in the last 12 months, is we've seen a significant push within Europe to develop a, a whole new industry, if you like, led by uh, the, the surge in demand for electric vehicles. Europe has, has embarked on um, very um, uh, optimistic plans to build an entirely new industry that is a battery industry. And uh, things are going full steam ahead within the EU to do that. There are most of the world's largest battery makers now have um, factories within the EU, within Europe, and there are many more planned into the future. And those factories need a lot of lithium. So it would appear that because of the amount of vehicles that are going to be built in Europe, electric vehicles built in Europe in the foreseeable future, that the demand for lithium in Europe is going to grow pretty much quicker than anywhere else in the world. And there is no, there's no current supply. So there's no battery-grade lithium currently produced in Europe. So you have an enormous growth in demand without any local supply. And another thing that happened last year with, with the COVID um, situation is the world realised how dangerous it is to rely on global supply chains, you know, at times where you can have major disruption. So the EU is focused on the developing development of its own local supply chains. So developing local lithium mines and other metals, other metals that go into batteries, but from our point of view, obviously focused on lithium. And so, so we've seen this surge in demand for the, for the metal globally, but even more so within Europe, within our sphere of operations, because of this desire to secure their own supplies. You know, the, 
the, the battery chemicals market, the lithium market, is really dominated currently by China. They have some 80, little more than 80% of the global market. And you know, Europe can recognise the danger, I think, in building, committing enormous money towards building a whole new industry, but then being reliant on someone like China for a significant um, part of the supply chain that that industry requires. And that, that, I think, is the main driving force behind the EU's strong commitment to this industry. Yeah. And who are your clients in terms of the types of companies that you will be um, giving this lithium to and also their jurisdictions? But what countries are they in or is it just concentrated within Europe? Well, we, we envisage selling all of our product within Europe. Uh, and this is actually a very important consideration. A lot of the world's lithium is mined in Australia and a lot is, is also produced in, um, in South America. And the, the journey that that material has to take to end up with the end user is it's a very, very long journey, you know, to ship uh, a concentrate from Australia to Europe is some, um, what, 17, over 17,000 kilometres. Uh, and even, even further, if it has to go via China, for example, to be uh, further, further treated, further beneficiated. So the, locals, the local nature of our product is, is a great advantage to us. It goes towards things like your, your carbon footprint. You know, obviously all that travel, all that transport can only increase the, the CO2 footprint of that material. So, you know, it's very advantageous for us to be selling the product locally. And there's really no need for us to be looking further afield. Within 500 kilometres of our project, there's over 6 million vehicles made every year. And as more and more of those vehicles are being made electric, you know, we can see the demand for our product. We don't think we'll be shipping product or trucking product any further than, you know, three or 400 kilometres. And quite possibly it'll be 100 to 150 kilometres. Okay. Um, and you've recently submitted uh, environmental impact assessment. Um, can you explain the importance of, um, of that assessment, um, which carries the Synovix and the project development goals? Certainly. So, so your environmental impact assessment is a, it's a critical path item in terms of developing the project and getting all the permits that are required to go into production. So you have a series of permits typically with a mining project leading up to your final mining permit, you know, right at the end of all of your studies and when you're ready to, to make a final investment decision and go into construction. And the EIA is a very important part of that process. Now, we've been working on that EIA for some years now. You know, you need to submit baseline studies that go for some years, studies have indicated there are no, there's no negative impact foreseen by the project on the local area. So that, that's quite a positive for us. And all of that folds into the much bigger issue of, of ESG, um, you know, the environmental, social and governance properties of all mining projects globally. And ESG considerations are becoming more and more important globally, uh, both from the point of view of investors, people who, who invest into projects, uh, but also from the point of view of your customers. So when we look to sell lithium to an end user, you know, a European car maker or a battery maker, for example, they, they, they are very interested to know what our ESG credentials are. You know, what impact have we had on the environment? 
and on the people who live in the vicinity of our mine. Um, and so having, having a strong EIA, having strong ESG credentials is very important for the project going forward. Okay. Um, obviously, um, lithium is critical to the transition to electrification um, and also obviously helping to achieve net carbon um, ec uh, economies. Um, how do you sort of plan and monitor um, and obviously report on Zinovex ESG? Um, and how does the um, and how does the company uh, or operation compare to other lithium projects um, in terms of ESG? So we've we've just recently announced the adoption of a formal ESG uh, consultant and a measurement program. So whilst we have been developing Cinevix right from the start to the very highest ESG um, uh, you know, qualifications. Only recently has, has it become uh, available to us the ability to independently measure our ESG impact uh, on a level playing field with other projects. So we've adopted that just in the last uh, few weeks, announced it last week to the market. So we, go, we are going with an external consultant called Social Suite. Uh, this is their business globally, and they they have devised uh, a whole range of tools for measuring our, our ESG impact, and this is an ongoing process. So you, it's like a score sheet. And the great, the great thing of, of having this tool is that people, both investors and end users, can measure our ESG score, if you like, or our credentials versus other projects. <clears throat> now, we've already started with some positives in our favour, Firstly, the fact that we are re-entering a historic underground mine is important. That's important from a, an environmental point of view, but it's also important from a social point of view. So we, we very, very minimal surface disturbance because it's underground. Uh, the fact that, it, as I say, it's a historic mine is also a, a tick um, from both of those perspectives. And, you know, we've designed the project so we will conduct most of the front end, so most of the, obviously the mining, but also the crushing and the grinding and this sort of thing will actually all be conducted underground, which means there's very little surface dis, um, disruption. There's, it, it, it takes away any visual pollution of seeing, you know, a, a mine head frame at surface, uh, noise pollution, uh, dust and all these sorts of things. So it's all contained underground. We then will, will slurry pipe, so we transport a concentrate via a slurry pipe to the processing plant, which means we're not having trucks going through the village or disrupting the locals. So all of these have been long-term considerations that are very positive from the point of view of our, of our ESG credentials. In, in terms of how we compare with other projects, so... Uh, again, the formal comparison of this is, is a relatively new tool that's only just becoming available to companies now. So we will uh, engage with some formal independent consultants um, a little later this year on doing a formal study, what, what, they, what they call an LCA, a, a um, life cycle assessment. So it measures your overall impact on the environment, your over, overall CO2 footprint for the whole life of, of the project. Um, so we haven't embarked on that formally yet. However, we, we do have a number of anecdotal um, reasons to believe that we will compare very favourably with other hard rock lithium projects. 
You know, I mentioned earlier the the, the, the transport issue. Uh, this will be a very strong consideration in our favour because, as I say, we are mining and processing in the same area, very close to each other, and we believe we'll be trucking our end product, you know, 100 kilometres, 200 kilometres from, from where it's uh, manufactured compared with, as I said earlier, a, dis a journey of perhaps 27,000 kilometres to get a lithium concentrate from here in Australia to Europe. Um, you know, so just from a the CO2 impact of the transport, we believe we'll have a, a significant uh, benefit. Apart from that, the, the, the process flow sheet for our ore uh, has a number of significant advantages over the, 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 the spodumene flow sheet, which is the ore from which most hard rock lithium or all hard rock lithium is currently produced. It's, uh, for example, spodumene is a much harder ore. It requires a lot more energy to crush it and grind it. So more energy obviously means a higher um, CO2 impact. Uh, it requires a much higher temperature roast. In fact, it's a two-stage roast. So that, that requires more energy, again, more CO2 impact. And we also, our recoveries are, are higher. So it means we we have to mine less ore to, to get the same amount of end product, if you like. So though we haven't done those formal studies and we're, we're very much looking forward to doing them, we have a number of reasons to believe that when we do those formal studies, it will confirm what we already believe, and that is that Cinebits will be a comparatively uh, low CO2 impact project. Yeah. Um, continuing uh, with the ESG theme, how has the locals um, reacted to, to the project? Um, and also, how, how are relationships with, with government and local councils? So, so, you know, it's right for you to talk about it in that order. You know, the, the, the local uh, population is very important in getting your permits and your, your social licence to operate. Um, happily, we have very good relationship at a local level. And that's partially because of the history of the mine. You know, the mine uh, operated in the area for many, many years. So a lot of people there have fathers or uncles or brothers who, walk, who worked in the mine prior to it being shut down a few years ago now. Um, so there's a, there is a nostalgia, if you like, to the mine, and a lot of people would like to see the mine reopen. Um, it, it is also, it's, the area we'll be operating in is a historic coal mining area as well. And as this region moves away from coal mining and towards green energy, you know, there will be job losses in the coal industry. And we will obviously be taking people who were formerly coal miners and retraining them to be lithium miners. So, you know, that, you know, will be creating quite a number of jobs. So we have we have a significant level of support at a local level. From the point of view of the, the, the federal government level, well, our partner in the project is the the um, the Czech National Power Utility called CHES, CEZ, and CHES is a publicly listed company, but it is about 60% owned by the Czech government. So effectively, the Czech government is our partner at a project level. So, you know, clearly we have quite a good relationship with them and we have aligned interests in terms of bringing the, uh, bringing the project into production as quickly as possible. Also, the government would like to see, you know, the automotive industry is very important in the Czech Republic. I think it accounts for about 10% of G GDP. It's a big employer. 
and there's a lot of, uh, you know, parochial consideration for the, for the Skoda automobile, for example. And the Czech government would very much like to see Czech lithium powering Czech electric vehicles into the future. So, you know, we, we have a lot of support in the project. We also have a lot of support at a European Union level. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier the EU is very supportive of building a battery industry, very supportive of an electric vehicle future. Uh, but they've also recognised the fact that they need to foster the development of the, of the region's own critical raw materials. So because Cinevitz is the largest conventional, largest hard rock lithium resource in Europe, because it's quite possibly the closest to production of, uh, of battery-grade chemicals in Europe, you know, we do get significant support at a European Union level as well, and that's also very important to us. Okay. Um, over recent uh, weeks and months, the demand for electric vehicles has significantly um, increased. Um, how has that impacted uh, the lithium industry, I suppose, in the short term? So it's, it, you know, it goes straight to the demand, supply and demand equation for lithium. So, you know, all commentators have, you know, slightly different views on what the numbers look like. But certainly the demand for lithium in Europe is going to grow very, very quickly. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen numbers out there for 2030 of up to 300,000 tonnes of LCE, lithium carbonate equivalent, being, um, being required in Europe, just in Europe, for the projected number of electric vehicles. And as I say, bearing in mind that there is no current production. So 300,000 tonnes is more than the world consumed last year. So that gives you some idea of, of the dramatic increase. And the, the supply side, you know, the mining side, simply can't respond that quickly. You know, mining is a long process. You know, it, it's generally eight or nine years from when you begin exploring for a metal before you get to production. So the fact that this demand is going to come within that window means that the supply side is going to struggle to, to meet the demand out to, say, 2030 or, or, you know, slightly thereafter. So that's likely to have the effect of pushing up the price of lithium. We have seen in the last year quite a significant increase in the price of lithium. Uh, you know, say three years ago, we saw a similar increase in the price of lithium and then and then the, the supply got a little ahead of the demand, so the price came off. Uh, but as the, the ramp up continues, you know, we're unlikely to see that same dynamic where we see a spike in price and it, and it comes off. I, I think we'll see a more, a more steady and more sustained rise in the price. Um, the supply side will move. To you know, will react. It will move to meet the demand, but you know, I think it's going to move uh, slower than than some people believe. So I, I foresee higher prices for lithium, uh, a great deal more demand, and I see potentially a little bit of a scramble in the next few years from some of the end years uh, end users to secure their own supply. Yeah. Um, with the UK stating um, that they would need to sort of stockpile um, a lot of these metals, such as lithium, um, to, um, to secure a supply of raw materials to keep up with demand, which I, I imagine a lot of countries are in a similar position, um, how do you view, view Europe's need for, for a domestic supply? 
I think Europe absolutely has a need for domestic supply and there's not that many lithium deposits, not that many lithium projects in Europe at all at any stage of development. So if every single currently known lithium project in the EU were to come come on stream uh, on time and in the capacity that it could possibly produce, there's still not enough lithium going to be produced in the EU in the next 10 years to meet the demand of the EU. So the EU is still going to have to import lithium from other parts of the world. The UK similarly has no production of lithium. There's a couple of small uh, lithium projects in the south um, that are at various stages of, of development, but some some years away from any production whatsoever. So the, uh, the UK is also going to need to import lithium if it's going to meet those targets, if it is going to meet those goals. And there, there's no other there's no other way about it. You know, the 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 raw material supply is the mediating factor. You know, you can't have a lithium ion battery without lithium. And you can't just decide that you need lithium tomorrow and you know place a purchase order and, and it turns up. It doesn't happen like that. The lithium that's going to be required in 2025 um, has to have been, uh, you know, production has to have started or nearly started now if you're going to get that lithium in 2025. Yeah. Where other um, places are there in Europe that people are trying to discover lithium? Um, is there any sort of constant, uh, areas of concentration where they believe lithium is located and, and looking to obviously develop that? So there are there are known projects in uh, Spain, Portugal, uh, Austria, Serbia, and uh, Norway. That I know. There's also you know, there's 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 one in Germany as well. Um, you know, lithium is not a rare metal, but it needs to it needs to occur in the right sort of concentration for it to be economically viable. And, and that's where the trick is, finding enough of it in the right sort of concentration that it is economically viable. Yeah. Um, and as a conclusion, what's the um, outlook um, over the, I suppose, short to medium term for European metals? So, so we are progressing at great speed our definitive feasibility study, which uh, will culminate in a final investment decision um, early next year, early in 2022. Um, so we we will be reporting progress on that study as the year goes by. We'll be reporting, you know, uh, various components of that study, important components like our various uh, very important stages of test work, you know, like our lock cycle test work, our pilot plant work, um, producing samples, commercial samples for potential off-takers, et cetera, et cetera. We're reporting a lot more about the environmental considerations, the ESG and as I said earlier, a formal um, carbon footprint study. Uh, but really the, the key for us, the key for driving the project forward quickly and in the best um, financial way uh, will be offtake. That is securing uh, offtake agreements with, um, with end users, uh, car manufacturers, battery manufacturers within Europe. And that is something that we're heavily focused on doing. And, you know, something I look forward to be able to reporting to the market over the coming months. 
Yeah. Keith, really appreciate your time and uh, give us an overview of the lithium market here, here in Europe. Um, and obviously, um, tell us more about obviously your European metals um, project in the Czechoslovakia. So um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, um, contact you, then I have some questions. How can they go about doing that? Well, I mean, so um, uh, our, our website is just europeanmet.com and uh, my email address is keith at europeanmet.com. Very easy. Um, or we could, uh, when you when you uh, upload the podcast, you can by all means put my uh, contact details there as well. Yes, certainly will do. And are you on any social media platforms, or is your company on there as well? Yeah, we're on we're on Twitter as Czech Lithium. Sorry, we're on yes Twitter as Czech Lithium. We're on LinkedIn, um, and you know very happy to receive contact from any interested parties and and existing shareholders. And I endeavour to get back to all queries and questions as quickly as I possibly can. Yeah, certainly. And we'll we'll add those details to the bottom of the uh, uh, podcast um, as well, so people can uh, have easy access if they want to reach out and have any uh, questions for you. So, um, again, Keith, appreciate your time. Um, Certainly be watching uh, your uh, project, um, obviously, as, as things develop. Obviously, being myself being based in the in the UK, so um, yeah, wish you all well in the future. Thanks very much, Rob. Thank you for your time. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, no worries. And um, those that are listening, appreciate um, appreciate your time. Hopefully, you got a lot from from this episode. Um, really appreciate if you can um, pass um, or share this um, podcast and also YouTube channel. Appreciate if you can pass it to your friends, family, other people in the industry, especially, um, and it doesn't need to be people just in the mining industry. It can be people in the manufacturing, car manufacturing industry that may get a better understanding of obviously lithium that is obviously needed for electric vehicles. Um, and I suppose talking about vehicles, everyone's going to be um, changing over to electrification and electric cars. So I um, appreciate you can, again, pass this out to people just to, just to give them some education around um, the lithium market and which is needed to, for, for uh, obviously, um, cars to go electric. It's just it's some imp- important information and, um, yeah, make everyone aware. So um, really appreciate your time again, Keith. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.